Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Warrior Monk Podcast. This is a very special episode for me because I've had the opportunity to speak to a guest whose music and art I'm a huge fan of. Today's guest is Michael Goldwasser. Michael's a musician and a music producer and head of Easy Star Records label. He's worked with some of the biggest names in reggae music, such as Steel Pulse, Toots Hibbert, Modest Yahoo, Cass Haley, and Jason Mraz, just to name a few. Michael and his house band, the Easy Star All-Stars, are probably most well-known for their reggae renditions of some of the most well-known and popular albums, such as Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, the Beatles' Lonely Hearts Club Band, and Michael Jackson's Thriller. That's just a few that Michael and the Easy Star All-Stars have covered over the years. With this podcast theme being centered around living a balanced life, I have to say that music for me on a personal level has always been a source of grounding and creative respite during busy, chaotic, or challenging times in my life, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. But before we get into the conversation, I'm going to take a few minutes to tell you about today's sponsor for the Wear Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by 10,000. 10,000 is an athletic clothing brand that has the best quality athletic apparel that you can find. Not only are their products great in the gym, but they're also perfect mainstays for busy traveling professionals as well. My personal favorite is their versatile shirt. I find myself traveling for work all the time, and one of the staples of traveling for me is having functional and comfortable clothing on the road or in the air. I love the 10,000 versatile shirt because I can wear it all day long. It doesn't stretch out, it's comfortable, it looks great, and my favorite feature is that it has an anti-odor treatment and the shirt smells fresh, just like it came out of the laundry, even after a long day of wear. If you want to get a 10,000 versatile shirt or try any of their other quality performance products, just go over to www.10,000.cc and use code LRADFORD15 to save 15% at checkout. That's L as in Lance, my last name, Radford, R-A-D-F-O-R-D-1-5, save you 15%. You'll get to save on some great quality performance clothing, and you get to help me keep the Wear Monk podcast going. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Michael Goldwasser. All right, everyone, thank you so much for coming back to the Wear Monk podcast, and I'm pretty excited today because I've had uh, the opportunity to speak to a very cool guest and someone I've wanted to speak to for a very long time. So I have music producer and kind of the brains behind the project of Easy Star All Star. Michael Gawasser on the podcast today. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Lance. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, for anybody who doesn't know um, me on a personal level, maybe from just listening to this podcast, we talk a lot about balanced lifestyle and health and and things of that nature. Um, but music is a big part of my life. Uh, grew up that kind of being like a self therapy, whether it was going to church as a kid or going to school, um, but especially. Um, just playing music. I grew up playing in reggae and ska bands in high school and college and uh, really fell in love with Easy Star All-Stars because you guys take some of the greatest and most classic albums uh, throughout some of modern music history, whether it's the Beatles, Michael Jackson, Pink Floyd, and you guys convert them to reggae style, which is, in my opinion, one of the coolest concepts out there. Um, and your first album really was, was dub side of the moon, which was taking Pink Floyd's dark side of the moon and, and really making an entire reggae album out of it. Um, so I, I kind of put a post, you saw a post on, on your page regarding it. And, uh, 
I just I put a comment out there because it was really where Easy Star got started. Um, can I ask you how how did that whole project get off the ground? Uh, great question. Well, just to clear one thing up, that's not actually where Easy Star got started. Okay, yeah, please um, tell me. We yeah we started the label in 1996 um, to put out uh, the reggae that we wanted to make um, and the reggae that we loved. And the Easy Star All-Stars existed first as a house band oh. uh, for the label. I would write and produce stuff, and it was whoever I got together to do that particular song or however many songs we were doing in that session. Um, and then we started doing live shows in like 1999, backing up Jamaican artists who were coming through New York, or we did our own shows. Um, and then... You know, Dub Side of the Moon didn't come out till 2003, but the idea, actually, we might have even started recording in 1999. Um, one of my partners in Easy Star Records, Lem Oppenheimer, was a big Pink Floyd fan, uh, still is. And he, he said, and a big fan of Dark Side of the Moon in particular, he, he told me that he used to listen to side two of it like every day in junior year of high school. You know, So I wasn't super... Um, familiar with the album as a full album i knew the song the big songs from it um but lem was just walking down the street one day listening to dark side of the moon on his cd walkman this is 1999 um and it just kind of struck him like because we'd already been doing easy star for a few years he was really immersed in reggae and he thought wow this could be kind of cool as a reggae album or a dub album um so he brought the idea to myself and our other two partners, uh, Eric Smith and Ramey Gerstein. And I'm the only one of the four of the founders of the label who's actually a musician and a producer and a songwriter. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm the in-house producer. Uh, so I was actually a little skeptical about the idea. Just, I don't know, I, I, I never thought about taking a whole album, a rock album, making it into, into reggae. But I... Took, uh, I think the first song I worked on with was Breathe, and I just did a demo of it. it you know, I came up with a, a bass line, and I did a demo of it in my bedroom studio, just playing. It was just bass and, and piano and organ, and I programmed some drums. I don't even know if I put any guitar on it, but at that point, I realized that it really could work. And then I think maybe I demoed one other tune and said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so... Um, I wasn't, because I wasn't, uh, I didn't consider the album uh, holy or sacred. I just thought it was cool. So it was kind of easier maybe for me to tackle, you know, this sacred cow for many people where like, oh, you can't touch Pink Floyd, Dark Side <laughs> of the Moon. I didn't have all that, you know, I wasn't worried about that mythology, you know. So um, I enlisted uh, Victor Axelrod, who was the keyboardist for... Easy Star All Stars, and who had been playing in bands with me since we were in our early twenties, um, to co-produce the album with me, and we we just tackled it, and we spread it out over the course of like three years of recording because wow, you know we were doing other things, and um, you know I can't even remember what your original question was, but you're saying how did it come to be? So that's that's basically what happened. So we we recorded everything, we recruited the vocalists. I mean, first we we came up with the arrangements, we recorded recruited the vocalists um then we mixed the album 
and mastered it, put it out, and people seem to really love it, you know, and it really did it while it wasn't the first thing for Easy Star Records or Easy Star All Stars, it's definitely the thing that made us into what we are today. Sure. As a viable uh independent reggae label that can can keep pushing boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And I remember the very first time I heard it and it was actually it was Speak to Me Breathe, the the first song that I heard. And like as soon as I heard the chops on the guitar, I was like, wait a second. Like it just it struck a chord, man. And it's just like it's um it's something to that I think if you if you know the album, like you said, you're you you kind of emotionally tied to it. And it's um it's, I guess it's a delicate thing, right? Whether, um, and, and I guess it made it easier, like you said, to not uh, kind of see it as some sort of holy grail within the rock industry. But um, I guess the question, another question I have is like, how do you, how do you find that balance? Because you guys have done this now with, gosh, like almost half a dozen albums um, with, you know, basically rearranging some of these classic albums into, into reggae. So, you know, a, a big topic here on the podcast is striking balance in life. And how do you how do you find that balance in rearranging the music to be respectful to the origin source to the to the original album, but still you know turning it into a reggae album? That that's a great question, and I do I do believe that life is about balance, and I assumed you, being a warrior monk, probably had those feelings as well. Um, so it comes down to respect for the original material but without fear of pushing boundaries and, and being experimental. Um, certain things are made easier by my basic philosophy, which is keep the melodies pretty close to the originals, keep the harmonic structure pretty close to the originals. The lyrics, for the most part, have to be the same as, as the original unless the publishers give us permission to make changes, which sometimes they do. Um, so I've got that basic framework. The song is the song. You know, if anyone who hears breathe in any style should be able to recognize it, you know, and then it's just about applying my knowledge and experience with writing and producing reggae and playing reggae um, and finding the right, uh, the right bass lines to go with it, the right, the right drum patterns, the right, feel with the, the, the skank and, and the piano bang and the organ bubble and, you know, writing horn parts that reference the original, but that also sound like reggae. Um, for me, I don't want it to sound like we just went into the studio one day and we're like, yeah, let's lay down some reggae versions of all these songs and just the drummer just play a one drop beat and we're just going to just breeze through it. And I've heard albums like that. You know? Sure, for me, me too. I put a ton of time into thinking about these arrangements and trying to make each song different and finding little parts of the originals that uh, that I can reference or even just use, you know, like a just a piece that was played on a certain instrument that I can easily do again in the reggae version, you know. So, um, yeah, but it is it is really about balance. That's that's really what it is. It's that it it's got to be reggae it's got to be authentic reggae but it's also got to be authentically the songs the source material you know um i want people to hear this stuff and maybe be like wait could that be is that but then like, yes it definitely is you know i don't want it to be so far out that they can't even tell what it is 
Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned like um, you know talking to I guess the publishers or getting the the rights to the certain music and what's that process like? Because these you know a lot of these albums are not. I mean, if you're trying to get the I guess the rights to do like a Beatles album, uh, you know, a rendition of their music. I mean, that's no small task. So what does that look like for your studio to kind of get I guess permission to use that source material? Well, it's actually um, it's a it's pretty straightforward. Uh, when you're going to cut, people covers music, cover songs all the time. I mean, right. that's kind of like the history of modern. Yeah. Every music bar band. Is, right. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, performing it is one thing, but if you're going to release it as a recording, you technically need what's called a mechanical license, but most cover songs get what's called a compulsory mechanical license, which means as long as you, um, pay the royalties that are due, you can cover anything. Um, now, I'm sure a lot of bands don't pay the royalties, but um, but here's where it gets a little tricky for us is that the the law says that you can get a compulsory mechanical license if you don't make a fundamental change to the composition. But there's never been a definition of what fundamental change to composition really means. So it's a gray area. So from the very beginning, when we were approaching doing Dub Side of the Moon, our lawyer advised us, like, it's better to just get explicit permission from the publishers than to just hope that everything's cool. So we did. We contacted the publishers of the Pink Floyd material, which was a little complicated because uh, some of your listeners may know that Pink Floyd fractured into two uh, right. warring factions. There's Roger <laughs> Waters on one side and the rest of the guys on the other side. They're different publishers. They don't necessarily get along. But um, so we dealt with all the publishers and it's a good thing we did because we were able to ask them permission to add lyrics like on on our version of money and time we add DJs chatting on it in a Jamaican style instead of guitar solos because we just thought that would just be much more reggae you know and we had to add lyrics and we you do need permission for that and it's a good thing we already had a relationship with the publishers so they said yeah you can do it we have to hear it first and approve it but they approved it pretty much immediately um other publishers have not approved adding lyrics radiohead's publishers didn't approve it and that's okay so when we did a, a radio dread we didn't add anything but then the beatles publishers did approve it michael jackson's didn't um and our new album, which I hope we'll talk about, which is coming out on April 21st, Ziggy, Ziggy Stardub, um, they did not approve. But again, it's good that we have the, we make the relationships so that we can make sure that everything's cool. And we also reach out to the management of the bands themselves uh, to make sure that we're not crossing any lines that they wouldn't want to be crossed. Um, and so, you know, obviously in this case and with Michael Jackson, we had to reach out to the estates, not to the artists because they had passed away. Uh, but basically we try to do everything above board. Uh, we may be the only label who, who approaches doing covers like this, but we feel like it's the smart thing to do. Sure. Absolutely. I appreciate you kind of going in the background into it. It's, it's a little bit of legalese, but I always kind of wondered about it because, you know, yeah, exactly. Like you said, like if you're a bar band and you're just playing stuff live, it's one thing. But if you're producing an album and putting it out and, and selling it, you got to kind of uh, cross all your T's and dot all your I's. So I appreciate the background on it. Um, how, just out of curiosity, too, how did you get into into reggae music? Because uh, reggae has really become such an international music. You know what I mean? There's 
uh, I kind of jokingly call white boy reggae all over the U.S. Now it seems like kind of sublime started to lead the way with it. And now there's, it's a huge, huge industry within the U.S. itself, but internationally too. Uh, I deployed to West Africa when I was active duty. And one of the, I think one of the best reggae bands I ever heard in my life was some, some like bar band in West Africa. But it's just like, it's one of those things where the, it's spread from Jamaica and it's all over the world now. It seems like anywhere you go, people love reggae music and they, they connect with that. So how did, how did you really get connected with reggae music and really knowing it and understanding it? Well, um, that's another great question. I grew up for the most part in New York City, which is very multicultural. So, and you hear all kinds of music, both on the radio or just even you know walking down the street coming out of uh, people's cars. Um, you meet people. Um, so I was aware of reggae from a relatively young age as I, my parents educated me on all different kinds of music. Uh, we listened to everything in my house. Um, and when I started, I, I started going to school in, I lived in Queens, which is a borough of New York city. It's where JFK and LaGuardia airports are. Um, and Queens is very cool and it's very diverse, but my particular neighborhood wasn't super diverse, but I started going to school in Manhattan. Uh, to a public school where students came from all over the five boroughs of New York City. So I just met uh, many more people from different cultures, um, and I was exposed to more different music. And then also this school, for whatever reason, was seventh grade through 12th grade. Um, and there were a lot of like older, like when I was in seventh grade, I would like hear the music that the 11th and 12th graders were were into, you know, and, and a lot of them were into reggae or ska, like second wave ska, two-tone stuff from England in the late 70s through 80s, but also even Jamaican ska, like the Scatolites. That's when I first learned about the Scatolites. Um, so that was a, a big influence, but also at a relatively young age, I realized that a lot of lyrics from Bob Marley, Dennis Brown, lots of reggae artists are English translations of Hebrew uh, prayers and parts of the Bible, of the of the Jewish Bible, right? I'm, I'm Jewish and I grew up going to synagogue, hearing this stuff in Hebrew, and but kind of knowing what it meant in English and then realizing that, you know, I'm hearing these reggae songs where they're, they're singing about stuff that I grew up with, you yeah. know, so it's like this connection. Um, and then it led me further into investigating Rastafari and its connections to, uh, say, Jewish iconography and Jewish ideology. You know, it's really, there's a very strong connection. Um, the ideas of the Lion of Judah uh, or, or um, exodus from slavery or return to Zion. These are all things I grew up with uh, as a Jewish person. Uh, and obviously, it's also part of Rastafari, which is because it was influenced by uh, the the Christian denominations in Jamaica that informed Rastafari and these Christian de denominations uh, looked heavily towards the Jewish Bible for their ideology. So it's just this big connection. It's basically we're all connected. Music, reggae is all over the world. Um, and certainly when I travel, with, have traveled with Easy Star All Stars or just by myself, I'm always finding reggae bands in every part of the world. You know, it's it's really this music that has, yeah, it's, you know, Jamaica's a, a little island, but it's had this huge impact on, on the global music. Yeah, I love it, man. It's, it, it's so cool. It gets, and everybody seems to put their little bit of cultural spin on it, too, which is, is a cool thing. It's already a multicultural kind of uh, context of, of where 
reggae came from, but it seems like no matter yeah. uh, where you go with it, there's always like a little bit of a cultural influence depending on what country is it's kind of coming from, is, which is, uh, again, such a cool thing. Like a, Just like with ska, right? Like when it went to, to the UK, there, there was kind of like a the second wave ska stuff. It's, and then, you know, even coming to the back to America, it became more of like a punk influence thing. So it's, it's cool to see how, how reggae has evolved over the decades as well. So, um, and it, and it's cool. Your, your label is pushing the boundaries too. Like you said earlier, like it's not just covers. I mean, easy star all stars have done their own original albums too. And it's, it's amazing, great music. So, um, and that's a, that's a great bridging point too, because there's a, there's a new album on the horizon. I've already listened to, uh, the two, uh, singles that have come out based off of some of David Bowie's, uh, music. You've got moon age, uh, moon age daydream and, and the Starman singles have already come out. So I'm assuming there's a, there's a full album to follow. Yes, I guess you may have missed the the announcement. You know, it's all over social yeah. media, but social media is funny. You don't always see things, right? No, you don't. Um, <laughs> when you're following something. So anyway, yes, we are doing our, our newest album in this series of tributes or reinventions of classic albums is our version of David Bowie's The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, which we have entitled Ziggy Stardub. And uh, it's been a really fun, fun album for me to do. I mean, I have fun with all our albums, but I love the David Bowie album since I was a teenager. Um, I even, I think after we did Dub Side of the Moon and then Radio Dread, I think we even maybe were considering Ziggy Stardust as our very, as our third album. We opted for Sgt. Pepper's instead. And then I think we were considering it for our fourth album. We opted for, for Michael Jackson's Thriller instead. Um, but finally, I guess it was time. Um, and I work with so many great, great guest vocalists on this one. So on the Starman single that has been out since uh, for about a month, we feature Maxi Priest, who's a singer that I've been a fan of since the 80s and always wanted to work with. And it was so cool that he said yes to this. And he just he really left his mark on it. it really. When he recorded it, it sounded exactly how I thought it would sound, but it was still so cool to hear. It was Maxi Priest singing David Bowie. Um, and the album that we just dropped, it actually just dropped today. I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but today being February 22nd, 2023, uh, is Moon Age Daydream featuring Naomi Cowan, who's a great Jamaican singer. And we also have on this one a uh, guest guitarist, Alex Lifeson from the band Rush, which was really kind very of mind-blowing because cool. I've yeah. you know, known of Rush also for a very, very long time. Yeah, I didn't realize he did the guitar track. That's awesome. He, he, did, he did the lead guitar. Um, and it was amazing. Like, you know, I asked him if he'd do it. And, he, and uh, you know, these asks, you never know how it's going to go. Um, but he was like, yeah, send me the track. And he loved the, the track, just the rough mix, I think, of it at that point I had. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it, sure. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, and he's, he's super, super nice. Um, so that was really great. Um, and it's one of my favorite songs from the original album. Um, and then also on the album, we have, uh, Steel Pulse, one of my favorite reggae oh, yeah. bands who I've worked with quite a bit. And I've become, uh, friends with, with David and Selwyn, the two original members. So that's really amazing for me. Um, just to think back to me as a kid listening to Steel Pulse and now I'm in the studio producing them. Um, Macy Gray, who's not a reggae artist, but an incredible, incredible vocalist. Uh, she sings rock and roll suicide. And that was also a big, uh, get for us because, I wanted her to be the singer for that song since, you know, first coming up with the arrangement, I just thought she would be, uh, she could really lend this emotion to it that the song needed. 
Um, so to get her to, to, to sing it was, it was incredible. Um, and she, I think she does an amazing job. Um, we've got some artists that are associated with Easy Star that are on, on the album. We have uh, Mortimer, who's from Jamaica. He sings Soul Love, um, Samory I, also from Jamaica. He sings It Ain't Easy. And we're putting out albums by the two of them uh, later this year. Uh, we have The Expanders, who we've done some work with. They're from, from L.A., great. Like they, they know more about authentic yes, they do. roots reggae and rock steady and ska than, than, than most, you know, so it's great. They sing Suffragette City. Um, we have the Skints from the UK, from London, who we've been working with for the past, I don't know, several years. Another amazing group. Um, very, very British. You know, there's like, they, they're so, so, uh, there's something so UK in, a, in such a cool way, you know, like you wouldn't, they could have opened for the clash or something like that, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, they do the songs Ziggy Stardust. Um, then we have Sundub, that's another band on Easy Star. We put out their most recent album, Spirits Eat Music. Uh, they do Lady Stardust. Um, one of my favorite bands from back in the day who's still killing it, Fishbone, on oh, the yeah. album. Hell yeah, um, okay. They're from LA. They, they sing Hang On To Yourself along with uh, Johnny Go Figure, who is the DJ in the touring version of Easy Star All-Stars. Um, Carlton Livingston, who is a classic reggae singer, uh, probably most popular in the in the early to mid '80s, but he has some huge, huge singles from back then that any reggae head knows. He he sings the song "Star." Um, so I, I think I may have named all the all the acts. I hope I'm not leaving anyone out. Yeah, that's an um, awesome lineup. It's an awesome lineup. I yeah, can't wait for the album. Really great lineup and diverse. Yeah. And um, again, we're always trying to push boundaries. You know, if we can bring people who generally listen to one genre to, to listen and, and together with people from another genre, you know, and just create something that hopefully everyone's going to want to listen to. It's a, it's a big victory for us. Yeah. Um, so I totally embrace artists like Macy Gray, who's not a reggae artist, you know, or Fishbone who aren't, they do some reggae, but they're not known as a reggae artist, right. you know, um, it just makes so much sense to me, you know, cause it's really just about the music. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's I'm, I'm stoked for it. I, I, like you said, like social media is kind of weird about what it what it pushes and doesn't push because I've been I've been following you and the Easy Star All Stars for a while and it, and didn't even see the announcement. I just saw the uh, the singles were pushed out. But now that now that you've given me the full lineup, I'm I'm hyped. So I can't wait yeah. for it to come out. What was the now release you know. date for it again? April twenty first. April twenty first. Okay. Comes out the full album. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm definitely I will definitely be promoting it on my end because I'm gonna probably be listening to it a hundred times on Spotify throughout throughout the week. I'm definitely wow. that that well, kind of you. yeah. Well, I'm that kind of person, man. When I get into a, a new album that I really like, it it gets put on repeat. So um, that's just that's kind of cool. how I am. And I'll probably be I'll probably grab my guitar and I'll be doing chops along with it too, just just for the heck of awesome, it. Awesome, <laughs> man. Oh, you know what? I just realized I forgot to. There are bonus tracks in the album I also would love for your listeners to know about, sure. which is uh, I did dub mixes of three of the tunes, Five Years, Moon Age Daydream, and Lady Stardust. And then we added a full vocal bonus track, uh, the song All the Young Dudes, which David Bowie wrote the same time he was writing Ziggy Stardust, although right. uh, it was most famous by Mop the Hoople, but he did his own version as well. And Kirsty Rock, who uh, sings on all of our albums, sings that one. And uh, we're getting great response from it so far. Cool. Very cool. Um, so I'd like to ask you, Michael, about like some of the couple, couple questions that I ask all my guests on the podcast. And the, sure. the first one is, 
uh, it's kind of who's influencing you right now. And this could be a personal relationship, maybe someone that you're reading or listening to, a fellow musician who's kind of influencing you as, a, as an artist and as a person right now. Wow, that's a great question. Um, okay, well, I was just out in L.A. Uh, write, I was on a writing trip, just writing with a bunch of different people, songwriting. And one of the people I wrote with, her name is Autumn Rowe, fantastic artist, singer, songwriter. She co-wrote, um, I think, like half of John Batiste's album that won all those Grammys wow. in 2022. Um, really super cool. And we, so we, we're writing a great song together, which hopefully you guys will hear at some point. Um, but we were talking about, just talking about being a creative person and the challenges, you know, of, of making your life your your job is to come up with songs and, and put them out to the world. And, yeah. and that's what your, your income is related to, right? And how crazy it is. So she told me something really awesome that I've been thinking about. She said, create, don't chase. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't chase after what you think you're supposed to be doing uh, or what the current stuff hit sounds like right. or... You know, don't don't try too hard to make things happen that aren't organic, but just create. Just you know, every day, just be your best creative self, and that that really uh, that was great to hear that from her. I mean, I believe in it, but I do sometimes find that I'm chasing, sure, you know, not thinking about creating. So that was really cool to get that from one of my peers. Um, another influence. So uh, you know, one of the downsides of being a um, a producer. And having a record label, and I'm always I'm always making music or listening to music for work. Right now, that doesn't mean I can't enjoy that, but it's different than just sitting back and listening to music. So sometimes I, I find that I'm not just listening to music, um, or sometimes I'll listen to music for pleasure, but I just start analyzing it, being like. You know, thinking about what microphone they probably used on what <laughs> snare drum, right. based on whatever all this stuff I do. Um, but just a few nights ago, um, I was with my my wife and my two daughters, and we were just chilling out, listening to vinyl, and we put on um, this Donny Hathaway collection on on vinyl. It's just basically his greatest hits, and we listened to just it's a a double album. We just listened to the first two sides. But I was just chilling on my couch, you know, just with my family and listening so hard and just loving it so much sure. because I'm, I'm a huge Johnny Hathaway fan. He's one of the, he's one of my favorite singers, if not my favorite singer. Um, and listening on vinyl to me is just a much better experience in any listening other way. And um, j- just I'm going to get real specific, but I remember I was listening to the song. Where is the love? Which is a pretty famous song as a duet with uh, with Roberta Flack, um, and I was just because vinyl makes things sound to me better, but yeah. it all it just it accentuates certain frequencies and timbres differently. So I was so focused on the bass. Now I've heard the song hundreds of times, but I was just so zoned in on the bass and how amazing it sounded and the harmonic and melodic choices that the bassist was making, or the, I, I don't know if the producer told the bassist what to play or if the bassist was just making it up, but it just really blew me away. And it, it kind of made me uh, 
I don't want to say fall in love with music again, because I'm never out of love with music, but it reinvigorated me as a fan and as a, as, um, and as a creator to just try to appreciate those moments, but also I want to create those moments. I want to put little things in my music that people can appreciate and that can lift their spirits and make them think more deeply about the music or feel the music more, you know? So that really was inspirational to me. Absolutely, man. And, and, and you do. I, I, in fact, I was leading up to this podcast, I was uh, going back and listening to, to Radio Dread today. And I think it was, it was climbing up the wall that I think I was listening to. And there was like, there was some piece of that track that I just, I was listening to it in the car and I had it like, you know, all the way to 11 or whatever. And there was some part of the background that I just had never noticed before. And that's, that's just like a real gift sometimes when you've listened to something a bunch, but there's just, there's like something new that you knew, notice about it, right? It's like, it's, it's a, yeah. it's a special kind of event when you're like, I've, I've, I've listened to this so many times before and I love this, but I found something even newer to love about it. That's great. I'm really happy to hear that from you because I, I spend so much time working on little minute details on all of these records in the hopes that, that you'll, someone will have yeah. that experience, you know, for sure. Man. Um, just like little things that, um, you know, like, like say just for example, cause I just got through it over a two year process of making the Ziggy startup album. And, um, I just couldn't help myself from keep on adding overdubs in my home studio, even though a lot of it was, most of it was recorded. The basic tracks were recorded at a really great studio. Um, uh, mostly at this place called the creamery in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and, and we recorded to tape, you know, and it's like, I'm really into that. Sure. Uh, and then transferred it to digital. So then at home, I don't have a tape machine at home, unfortunately, but I just did a lot of overdubs and, you know, little things like, um, the song, okay. On soul love, uh, the guitar, the guitar on all of Ziggy Stardust, the original David Bowie album is very prominent. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just part of the sound, just great guitar playing from Mick Ronson, uh, who really, I think an underrated guitarist in, in rock music. Um, so I wanted to cop all the lead stuff that he did on that song, which I did. And I used, uh, a Les Paul, like I know he used a Les Paul and I tried to like get my wah pedal to like just be open to just the right angle to get the, the tone that he had, you know, and, and crank the, the drive on my amp to get set to try to get his sound. But then at one point I was like, man, this would sound really cool if I doubled it with melodica. So I wound up doubling <laughs> all that stuff with melodica, um, which is a huge reggae thing. I, you know, yeah. Melodica is a very important instrument in reggae. Um, and in the end, you know, I feel like it, I achieved something, you know, kind of cool that I'm hoping people will be listening on their headphones at home and be like, wait, is that, guitar or is that melodica is that right. melodica? what is it you know so little Very things cool. like that it's just really fun to do yeah absolutely oh man i'm, I'm looking forward to it so much i can't wait for him to come out um next question is when you hear the term warrior monk uh what does that mean to you or what does that make you think of well uh two things one on the grand level to me it's about balance you know to be a warrior and to be a monk, me, it's a balance between the physical and the spiritual, um, and which is important. But I also feel like it, it's. I, I think I said earlier in the podcast that I think balance is such a uh, an important part of life in general. You know, so I think it it kind of just exemplifies 
the the excellence that can be achieved when you find balance, when you can create balance. Um, because it's not always, sometimes balance is a something that you find. It comes to you when you're in the right state. But sometimes you have to create the balance. Sometimes it's more of an active thing. You know, sure. you have to make the circumstances around you or the circumstances in your head uh, lend itself towards balance. Uh, but then also specifically, I, I used to watch uh, movies made in Hong Kong sure. back in the days, um, often about Shaolin monks yeah. who were warriors and monks, you know, and, and I was into that, watching that stuff with my friends. And these movies would be on TV in New York on like Sunday afternoons and stuff like that. Um, and then, then even like in post-college, you know, like when we were starting Easy Star, we would like hang out and watch these movies. And, and then Wu-Tang Clan yeah, came I was gonna along. Yeah, Wu-Tang. <laughs> With with uh, with these same movies, you yeah. know, in Shaolin. So so while while I you know so there's that that very specific reference when you say warrior monk, I think of that. But then I'm also talking about the grand scheme of things and and the batch achieving balance in life. Absolutely, man, you've got it. Um, one more question, and this this is one a little bit of a personal one. Do we, do we have any hopes maybe sure. for uh, Easy Star albums uh, with Led Zeppelin or Queen one day? You you should always have hope, man. I mean, hope is a very important part yeah. of life. Yeah, I always um, do. You know, I can't make any, yeah, I can't make any promises, but I, I love to make music, and we, as Easy Star All Stars and Easy Star Records, we always want to put out great stuff like this. And we there was a ten year gap really between Thrilla and uh, and this new album. You know, I mean, I was just working on a lot of different things, and. Um, yeah, I don't, just that's just the way it went, and I'm hoping there won't be another ten year gap before the next one. I don't think there will be. Um, the The main thing is that it's got to be. We're not into doing greatest hits, you know. Sure. It's got to be an album, right? An it's album important. that made sense as an album that then we can make it into like a new piece of art, hopefully, um, that still makes sense as an album. So if we found the right Led Zeppelin or Queen album, who knows? All okay. bets are off. I'm going to keep hope on the horizon for that because I think I think it would be right. great material. But I think anything you guys put out is is awesome. So I'm um, again super excited for uh, Ziggy Stardub coming out in April. I'm super excited. Um, I appreciate you, Michael, and joining me uh, today. I know you're on the road, so I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to talk to me. Um, if people want to go listen to the singles, if they want to find out about the album, uh, if they want to get on. Any kind of sign up for to uh, the album coming out or on tour dates? Where should they go? How can they connect with uh, Easy Star and you? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of ways. Well, first of all, EasyStar.com is a great resource. That's our, our website, um, and that's always going to have everything. We also have EasyStarAllStars.net. Um, that's where we ran a contest for people to guess what the new album would be. Um, uh, on socials, you can find us at EasyStarAllStars. Um, you know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. We're even now on TikTok. <laughs> uh, we don't have a lot of content yet, but hope we're going to work on that. Um, you can follow me personally. Uh, my on Instagram and Twitter, it's at Goldswagger underscore G O L D S W A G G E R underscore. It's a play on my last name. Um, and I'm also, you know, you can find me on Facebook, Michael Goldwasser, producer. Um, you know, we always love to hear from people, you know, and, and certainly you can check all our music on, on any, uh, any DSPs, you know, Spotify, Apple music title, 
Um, the first two singles are already out. Uh, Starman, Moon Age Daydream, the full album. You can pre-order it. Uh, we're putting it out on vinyl and CD. So if you go to EasyStar.com, you can you can pre-order the vinyl or the CD. We even have the uh, Ziggy Stardub uh, T-shirts that are really cool. There's like packages. I feel I feel like I'm shilling for the for the stuff now, but it's really. But I I really do hope that people get the stuff. Um, you know, I think I think our fans will enjoy it. I think David Bowie fans will enjoy it. Reggae fans will enjoy it. Um, music fans in general should enjoy it. So I'm, I'm really excited to bring this music to the world. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you again so much for joining me and uh, look forward to the album coming out and whatever else Easy Star puts out in the future. All right. Thank you, Lance. Yeah. Thanks one more time to my guest, Michael Goldwasser. If you want to go check him out, you can find him on socials at goldswagger underscore. And of course, you can go check out the Easy Star All-Stars on their website, easystar.com. Head on over there if you want to get all the latest and greatest on the upcoming album, Ziggy Stardub, in tribute to the late and great David Bowie. They have information posted there on the first two singles, Moon Age, Daydream, and Starman. And of course, you can get those wherever you normally stream your music or your favorite platform, of course, as well. If you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior Monk Podcast, if you've enjoyed previous episodes of the Warrior Monk Podcast, please do me a favor and share it with a friend, share it with a loved one, share it with a fellow Warrior Monk. And if you go over to wherever you found this podcast, whether that be over at Google, Spotify, Apple, etc., give us a like, review, give us some feedback. You can always feel free to shoot me a direct message at the Wear Monk Podcast on Instagram or on Facebook as well. And last but not least, if you want to be a contributor to the Wear Monk Podcast, I would invite you to please go to patreon.com forward slash WM Podcast. And there you can be a Patreon, a contributor to the Warrior Monk podcast and get some exclusive Warrior Monk merch. We got stickers, we've got patches, and we've got t-shirts as well. If you decide you want to start being a contributor to the Warrior Monk podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast as much as I did. And I'm going to do a little bit of a stray from the norm here in closing out this episode. And we're going to leave you with a few seconds of a clip from one of the singles from the Easy Star All-Stars here is Starman featuring Maxi Priest. Didn't know what time it was, the lights were low. Oh, oh, I leaned back on my radio. Oh, oh, some cat was laying down some rock and roll. A lot of soul to say.